Hello and welcome to Put Me In Coach, a podcast where we talk about what makes the ideal team player and a couple of strong women who we think have shown what it means to be hungry, humble, and smart. Or HHS, you'll hear us refer to that often. (laughs) I'm Cassidy. And I'm Leah. And we're going to start our podcast now. (laughs) Drum roll, please. Um, so our podcast is all centered around this idea of what it means to be an ideal team player. And Patrick Lencioni, which hope I said that right, um, defines the ideal team player um, as someone who is hungry, hungry, humble, and smart. To be humble means that you don't have an ego, you're not worried about status, you're quick to build up other people, you don't need your own recognition, you're a humble gal. To be hungry means that you are always looking for more. You are grinding it out, you are go, go, go. You don't need someone what to do or tell you what to do because you are self-motivated. Mm. And lastly, to be smart means that you're not just kind of book smart, but you're also emotionally intelligent. You're reading the room. You're understanding people. You're trying to figure out what's going on so that you can effectively move forward and help the situation around you. And when all three of those things come together, you get the ideal team player or what we'll call the HHS. Love that. So how this is going to go is Leah and I both have gathered different women or groups of women that we think exemplify the ideal team player. And we are the technically the coaches and we're going to put these people into the game and we're going to read their stats to you and tonight she is said my stat. night she's not even a sports person and she said stats. Listen, listen i don't know sports but <laughs> that's okay i feel very confident in our uh podcast name and in the stats of my players and i feel like we're gonna win this all right coach well who are you putting in tonight let's hear it so this reference the first one let me just preface this by saying This year, I've had a really deep obsession with watching gymnastics videos on YouTube. Accurate. And I just think people who can do gymnastics are insane and very impressive. So I have went on like a little spree where I watched like, you know, like the finalists in the Olympics and over the years and what it's looked like. I've listened to podcasts and I've also listened to like podcasts about the sex scandals that have happened. Mm -hmm. And obviously those are really heartbreaking and frustrating, but... The women that are on the final five team, which was the 2016 team that went to the Rio Gymnastics. So that's Lori Hernandez, Simone Biles, Gabby Douglas, Allie Raisman, and Madison Koshin. So they're all like pretty young. I think they're in all in their teens in like early mm-hmm, 20s. Mm-hmm. And I think Allie's the oldest one because she was in the Olymp- Olympics before that. But listen to this. They went a perfect 12 for 12 on their routines without a notable bobble as this article i read said and they that means they were literally perfect they posted the winning team score on all four four events i was reading an article and it said that even if simone biles who was like the top Mm -hmm. performer even if she didn't like do well and didn't like get her perfect score the team would have won like by far like they were that far ahead of every other team which was honestly pretty crazy best team ever yeah they won a total of nine medals, and obviously they won the all-around, and they won as a team, too. So I think specifically how they exemplify the ideal team player is, let's talk about Hungary first. They worked literally their whole lives. Whole lives. Some of these people literally, like, from the time they were, like, four, were in the gym weekly, nightly, daily, all the time. Yeah. It's literally insane. And if you watch, like, the documentaries and other things about them, it's like, 
they have injury after injury. They were mm-hmm. like they don't even go to school. Like most of these people are like homeschooled, literally, and they do gymnastics for like eight hours a day in school for, for like, like four. And they're like, we're gonna make. Mo-. And obviously, if you're an Olympic gold medalist, you don't need school. No right. offense, but... but it's like obviously a super competitive sport. So I think these girls show that they are the most hungry because mm-hmm. out of everyone in the whole entire United States, these five were chosen to go to the Olympics. Yeah. Oh, for sure. And I think. I think, yes, you have a coach, obviously. You have two coaches here, me, I guess. You know what I'm saying? But I think when you think about what it means to be hungry, I think these girls, at some point, you have to decide for yourself. Like, I know I'm super good at this. Am I going to keep doing this, or am I just going to do away with it? Mm -hmm. Because at some point, you have to sacrifice things. Like, you have to sacrifice a friend life. You have to sacrifice relationships at school. And so I think as they continue to, like, keep thinking, like, bigger and bigger dreams, because I'm sure these girls were like, I could be an Olympic gold medalist if I just work towards it. So. That in itself takes some self-motivation. Because mm. I know a lot of people who would just drop out when the going gets tough or when it feels like it's not worth it in the long run. Totally. And a side note to that would be, like, a specific situation of one of these girls. Allie Raisman was one of the public faces in the Larry mm-hmm. Nasser scandal, mm-hmm. which we've talked about together yeah. before. But basically, one of the um, doctors for the Olympic team had a really deep history of sexual abuse Mm -hmm. to basically everyone he ever like dealt with that was a young girl since like the Mm -hmm. early 90s which Mm -hmm. is pretty sick and twisted but so Allie was abused by him and she is like the leading face or has Mm -hmm. been in the Me Too movement. Did you know that Simone Biles also was right before she went on it in the 2016 Olympics she was like assaulted by Larry Nassau too and not that that is like that we should call that, like, a hunger, but to some level, like, that is, like, saying, like, there's a lot of crappy things, and that it's horrible. Like, it, like I'm not justifying it at, at all, and no one should ever have to do that. But even knowing that this girl was, like, there are a lot of crappy things that have happened to me, and I'm still gonna go do it, and I'm gonna go get what I've worked so hard for, like, that is a hunger, and it's horrible what happened to them. Like, yeah. that is not just, like, justifying that at all. I'm saying anyone deserves that, but... Mm-hmm. No, I totally agree, and I think... It's like the hunger for justice is there too, you know? Like it's the hunger for competition, for victory, for winning, for being Mm -hmm. the best, but it's also the hunger for for justice and setting a good example, which leads to the next point, which is how that team showed how humble they were. Mm -hmm. So obviously they accepted their medals with gratitude. They cheered on their teammates and competitions. And I think one really cool thing about gymnastics is like they're always cheering on their teammates no matter what, even if they just did really bad on their mm-hmm. last performance. Like, they're going to come to the mat, mm-hmm. they're going to cheer their teammate on because they know how hard they worked. Yeah. And I think that's, like, a huge example of how humble they yeah. were. And I think in so many sports, like, you see people so often, like, oh, like, I don't want them to do well. Or that, like, inner, like, mm-hmm. well, I just messed up, so now you need to mess up. Mm-hmm. But the fact that you can go and be like, no, I know what it takes to have mm-hmm. to do that. And even if I do so horrible, like, I'm going to still cheer on my teammates because I know why we're here and I know what our purpose is. And so when I think, like, when you think about that, like, you have to drop your ego. Like, these girls knew they were good. Like, Mm -hmm. they were at the Olympics. But you have to drop your ego. And, like, what we were talking about earlier, like, the literal definition of being humble is, like, pointing out the strengths of other people and, like, cheering them on, Mm -hmm. hyping them up. Like, Mm -hmm. be their hype woman. Mm -hmm. And a lot of these girls, like, they literally emphasize this idea of the team or themselves. And you see that with the way that they won so many team awards. Like, Mm -hmm. that's pretty incredible. That Mm -hmm. as a team, they were, like, accomplishing so much. Totally. And they're willing to celebrate together, which I think is a great example of humility there. Mm-hmm. And they're, they don't have a lot of interviews mm-hmm. out online. Like, I mm-hmm. did a lot of research. They don't have a ton about, like, their specific team dynamic. 
But in every interview, they're always talking about how they love spending time together. Mm-hmm. They're always laughing and they're giggling together. They're mm-hmm. making jokes. They love working as a team. They mm-hmm. always say that. And I think that shows a level of smartness, too. Like, emotionally, you know, they're emotionally aware of the, the people that are on their team. Mm-hmm. Like, they spend so much time with these people. Yeah. So much time. Yeah. And instead of, like, like you, I feel like so much drama can be started, especially mm-hmm. when it's, like that age group of women and when you're always together and you're like that person drives and, me nuts and you're like, fueled on competition like yeah. there's bound to be Who's some gonna sort be the of best. drama yeah exactly but they're like smart enough to understand that their examples for thousands maybe millions of young girls mm-hmm. and like ever since i think it's like the early 90s or maybe mm-hmm. the 80s gymnastics has been like a sport that young girls are like i want to be that someday yeah. they watch the olympics they're like i want to be that mm-hmm. and each of these girls has separately and together said mm-hmm. we recognize the role that we play mm-hmm. we recognize that we're role models we recognize that girls want to be like us and we recognize it's our duty to be smart mm-hmm. about how we portray ourselves that we accept medals with humility that mm-hmm. we work really hard that mm-hmm. we prove that girls can do anything boys can do and yeah. do it better and they they recognize they have that role and they take it on mm-hmm. and i feel like they that sh- that shows how smart they are in social settings mm-hmm. and and how they appear to other people and yeah like how grateful they are for the opportunities that they've been giving like mm-hmm. none of them are like oh yeah like i deserve this you know mm-hmm. blah 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 they're just very much like thank you so much for this opportunity mm-hmm. like i feel so blessed so yeah basically the fab five i think is one of the most dynamic female teams that we've seen in our lifetime yeah oh and for sure i think every olympic team has been really you know mm-hmm. admirable in our lifetime but this specific team like how well they did and how well they worked as a team yeah. I think was really cool. And I think even knowing, like, the things that were going on, like, the Larry Nassar stuff, like, mm-hmm. the fact that they knew that and they were still, like, we're going to put our best foot forward and we're not going to worry about, like, what this outside thing going on is. Like, we're going to mm-hmm. do what we've come here to do. And I think that, like, in itself, like, when you put all that together, like, you are looking at the ideal team because these people didn't let these, like, outside circumstances stop them. Like, yeah. they... They knew what they were doing, and they knew who they were as people, and it's it's like they had this angle in mind the whole time of, mm-hmm. this is what we're going to prove, and mm-hmm. we're going to, what you're talking about, like, we're going to get justice in the end, but, like, we're going to work hard. Totally. Yeah, so that was my uh, my first pick. I feel pretty confident in that. I feel yeah. like... Good job, coach. Thank you. We they, can put them on the field. We they, can put them on. They definitely are an example of, like, individual team players, but also, you know, a team. Yeah. A well-oiled team working together. So love that. Love that they're all strong women and that they're great examples for people. All right. Who's your next one, Coach? So my next pick is a historical reference. You know how much I love her. Yes, people. I, know I don't think I you guys her. understand how much. This is like her first person. She's like, <laughs> I'm going to do this one. I'm like, okay, <laughs> let's go for it then. And I'm not even embarrassed because She's not. I have a deep love for Queen Elizabeth II, mm-hmm. who is my next pick, my historical pick. She, so I've, I'm also obsessed with the show The Crown on Netflix. That's a Accurate. side note. That's where I get a lot of my information from. She loves anything like British, royalty. Yes. She's there for yes, it. Yes. We even went to sure. London together and she was living her best life. I was. I was. I love it. I love British royalty, but I know there are problems with the monarchy. Like, I get that. But I also want to point out how team, or Queen Elizabeth is the ideal team player because I really think that she is. She is the longest reigning monarch in British history. She has been on the throne for over 68 years. What? Like, that's crazy, actually. If you no. think about it, this girl, I think she's 68 like... 68 years is a wild amount of time. 
she's literally so old. Like, <laughs> she might outlive her son. And we know that this isn't, like, about leadership. Like, we know that, like, we're talking about the team player. But, like, let's just talk about how, like, this this woman is not playing games. She's like, I am in charge. S- step up. Like, right. And she's lived through so much of history, which I think... I think that's one thing that's a really cool element to her is that like, she literally became queen. She was queen through like the World War. She was queen through all this like stuff. And now like we're in the 21st century, things are so, so much more modern and different. Yeah. She's had to like roll with the punches and really change and like be able to take feedback from all these different sides and you know, people do still really love her. Like she has done a really good job. Yeah. So, anyways, she a little back history just so we can get our facts straight here. I got this from biography.com. Um, which, the most accurate of biographies. I mean, it feels like really accurate. <laughs> I will, I'm going to say. It feels like an accurate source. Um, so she became queen on February 6, 1952, and was crowned on June 2, 1953. So she's the mother of Prince Charles, heir mm-hmm. to the throne, and the grandmother of Prince William and Harry. Could you imagine when she was going through the World War II? She's probably like, I never thought that my grandson was going to marry some actress. That's what I'm saying. And now I have all these problems because of this actress. Like Literally. Like, it's... The show is super interesting of The Crown. I feel like that breaks it down pretty well. But anyways, as the longest serving monarch in British history, she has tried to make her reign more modern and sensitive to a changing public while maintaining traditions associated with The Crown, which is unbelievably hard to do. Mm -hmm. Um... When she became queen, post-war Britain still had substantial empire, dominions, dependencies. However, during the 1950s and the 1960s, many of these possessions achieved independence and the British Empire evolved into the Commonwealth of Nations. Elizabeth II has thus made visits to other countries as head of the Commonwealth and representative of Britain, including a groundbreaking trip to Germany in 1965. She became the first British monarch to make a state visit there in more than five decades. Um, she has showed, or in 2011, she showed that the crown still had symbolic and diplomatic power when she became the first British monarch to visit the Republic of Ireland since 1911. Mm. Side note, this has a soft spot in Lena's heart because we both studied abroad in Ireland. Yes. And the troubles were a huge part of, like, our learning mm-hmm. there. And so the fact that she went there in 2011 yeah. is actually a super, super huge yeah. deal. Yeah, it is such a cool thing to, like, know that that is such a cool part of history. And, like, I think that even, like, and we'll get to this, obviously, but contributes to some of the ways she was a team player. Of Like, mm-hmm. she knew the situations that had gone on, but she's like, no, like, we're going to do this together. Like, mm-hmm. we'll figure it out. But totally. anyways, keep keep giving the background. Keep giving the bio. Yeah, so she modernized the monarchy. Mm-hmm. So she dropped some of its formalities, and she made them more accessible to the public, public in general. Mm-hmm. Um, and the royal family continues to receive some government support, but the queen has had to cut back on spending. So, basically what that means is that, like, they're not as, like, over-the-top rich as they used to be because she gives back a lot of the money now that they Mm. have, which is huge. So, she became queen, I think, when she was, like, I think it was, like, 20, 21, maybe? Could you imagine... We're 20, well, you're 22. So, like, I'm 21. younger than us. Could you imagine if I was like, okay, I'm the queen of Britain? And it's crazy because, I don't know if you know this, but her uncle was the heir. Yeah, yeah. And he wanted to marry someone that they, well, he wasn't allowed to marry, so he abdicated the throne. Basically, he was like, oh, I didn't realize that. I'm not going to be king. So then his brother, her dad became king, and then he died suddenly, and then she became queen. Scandalous. So she obviously didn't, like, her, she wasn't necessarily born to be the queen Queen, but now she's the queen but now she's a queen and so she's had to like adapt so much in who she is and 
how she interacts with the public, and mm-hmm. I don't know. I just think she's really cool, and she lives as much as it's a posh life. Like, she's also, it's hard. Like, she's never lived a normal life, ever in her yeah. life. Never. And neither of her kids. So, HHS. Let's get to it. Give me the first What H. does that mean for her? So, Hungry. For a bill to become an act of law, it must be passed by both the houses of the Lords and Commons and then receive loyal assent from the Queen. Basically, any law that's passed... She has to give the approval. She has to give the approval, and that means she has to be super politically aware. Aware, yeah, yeah. And so every change, like, in the government mm-hmm. and all that stuff has to go through Queen Elizabeth. Mm-hmm. Um, she has, since 1952, given royal assent to more than 3,500 acts of parliament. Mm-hmm. And the article I was reading basically was, t- like, listed, like, all these thousands upon thousands of, of letters she sent and of things mm-hmm. she's had to sign. Like, she has not tired of a job mm-hmm. that she had to do. And, like I said, she didn't... Like, it, it was given to her in a way that she wasn't expecting. But instead of, like, being a lazy queen, like, she has truly stepped into yeah. the role. Yeah. She's shown that hunger for mm-hmm. change. And, and, like, the fact that she is so old and, like, she yeah. continues to stay with times, like, you have to be able to. And it's yeah. not like people in London or Britain are in an uproar because of the queen. You know right. what I'm saying? Like, oh, for sure. she's doing her part to, like, be like, you know what? I was given this role and I'm going to mm-hmm. continue to motivate myself to make mm-hmm. sure that I'm doing the best I can absolutely be doing. For sure. For the betterment of everyone, basically. Yes, definitely. And I think, obviously, she's been a working mom this whole time. Yeah. If you watch The Crown, you understand that, like, other people take care of their kids a lot. Yeah. But even generally, like, being a woman and going mm-hmm. through those stages of maturing, like, her, yeah. like puberty, maturing, like, being a mom, going through pregnancy, Then menopause, like, like you, all this stuff. Like, you have to, like, choose to be like, I'm going to keep working hard and I'm going to keep doing my part to, like, mm-hmm. contribute to the greater society and there's been like scandal after scandal and she's still like been you know like i'm showing a good face like i am going to be the best leader i can be of this Mm -hmm. country and to me that shows her hunger Mm -hmm. for justice for a better system Mm -hmm. um for change like that is huge for me and like lynchioni literally says like they're always looking for more more things to do more to learn more responsibility and that's what she's doing Mm -hmm. like if she was bad at signing laws into acts or whatever Mm -hmm. like she would get she would get called out, mm-hmm. but she keeps doing her part, and mm-hmm. so she's a hungry woman. Mm-hmm. Amen. So, the second one, humble. This is a literal word-for-word quote that I found from this website. Okay. Not one for spotlight, Elizabeth likes quiet pastimes. She enjoys reading mysteries, working on crossword puzzles, and, and reportedly even watching wrestling on television. What Cassidy <laughs> just read is really what her life is going to be like in about 50 years, but anyways, oh, back to humble. So I read that because I... <laughs> Not only do I respect the fact that, like, somehow these people know this about Queen Elizabeth, I, uh, Could you I imagine someone walking into her room one night? She's just, like, watching wrestling. wrestling. She's like, come on! Like, I love that she, she, uh, she's just, like, such a unique person. And, yeah. like, you see from The Crown, which, to me, is, like, a mini documentary of their life. Yeah. She loves, like, her dogs. She loves going hunting. She loves mm-hmm. being outside. Like, she doesn't, has never done anything that's, like... Oh, I'm over here. Like, I'm yeah. the queen. Give me mm-hmm. attention. Mm-hmm. Never. Not once. Yeah. In her whole entire reign mm-hmm. has she been, like, involved in a scandal personally with herself. Yeah. Besides, like, one with, like, a prime minister or something like yeah. that. Which involves just, like, political communication and relationship. Yeah. She has never done anything to, like, mm-hmm. put herself in the spotlight, be over dramatic, like, mm-hmm. cause tensions. Like, she has always been, like, even keel. Yeah. Like, don't put the spotlight on me. And, like, I'm going to do my best to work and get the job mm-hmm. done. Mm-hmm. And I just think, like, 
yeah, she's super humble. I feel like it's very clear to mm-hmm. see. Like, she's never one for, like, all the attention. And it feels like her status hasn't gone to her head. Like, you said, like, she has been queen for 68 years. Mm-hmm. And the fact that she's been queen for that long and she's still, like, mm-hmm. not this egotistical woman, like, that's not a lot about her. Because she could. Mm-hmm. Like, after after 10 years, you can be like, I've been on this throne for 10 years. Then you hit 20. Then you hit 30. Like, yeah. No, for sure. Like, she's had her, I think it's called, like, her sapphire anniversary or something yeah. like that which is like no one has ever gone there before <laughs> so she has just a, a transcendent of, her, of herself she's eating a slice of that humble pie every day yeah for sure she's had a change with the times um so smart is the third one i think the number one indicator of this besides the fact that she has really like prioritized relationships with people from other countries so Mm -hmm. i talked about the commonwealth earlier yeah all those countries even though they have gained independence on their Mm -hmm. own she's still remained like really close with them Mm -hmm. has close ties makes sure to visit like the whole ireland thing like Mm -hmm. she was smart enough to recognize like okay even though we were in tension with these people like it's important for me to to take a trip to be there physically Mm -hmm. like that meant so much like that was a huge yeah and that's like knowing like the setting like Mm -hmm. knowing that all these people can say all these things but like are you and that's part of like what lynchioni says like do your words match your actions like are what you're is what you're doing like really adding up and for her it is like she's like aware and she knows what's needed and she's gonna do it yeah which is kind of hunger too but it's also being smart and knowing what is needed totally and she so i think one of the biggest things about smart that i was drawn to that's my number one strength in Mm -hmm. this is the emotional awareness Mm -hmm. so she has had a relationship with 14 different prime ministers as you know the Mm -hmm. prime ministers run the country politically governmentally and she's she has private showings with them Hmm. with each and every prime minister so she's had to have relationships and work work very closely with Mm -hmm. 14 different people Hmm. understand how they work understand like what makes them tick Mm -hmm. understand what's how to communicate with them well and efficiently yeah yeah versus like how when to say like when you're saying the wrong thing yeah she's had to learn that with 14 different people and i feel like that just shows like she has learned after all these years the smart way to socially interact with different people to get the job done and to run a country yeah and you have to like if you if you're gonna withstand like that many different people like you have to know like what is gonna work and what's not gonna work like and she is doing her part to do that so so those were my two that I put in. They were good. They were good choices, Coach. I feel very. I like their stats. Their stats were good. And they the, added up. In the next episode, you'll hear who Leah's are. But after this short little break, we're gonna talk about my specific self evaluation, mm-hmm. and um, yeah, how I uh, relate to the ideal team player. So mm-hmm. stick around. All right. So the next part of the podcast is going to be talking about. My specific experience with the mm-hmm. ideal team player. Yeah, yeah. And I don't know about you, but I think taking this test, this quiz, was really revealing. Mm-hmm. I would have told you, though, that out of all three of them, you were smart. Yeah, I just... You I, people well. So, I'll just say this to start off with. My number one that I got the highest score mm-hmm. on was smart. Yeah. Which I feel like I am, and I really love being able to read a room and read people. Yeah. So, that's something that, like, I could say... Yeah, that feels pretty accurate. And as her bestie, I would agree. She's really good with people. <laughs> We're besties. I don't know if we mentioned that, but we are. But then my weakness and my weakest one on the test was humble. And which that is was kind of funny to me. But she also has a three on the Enneagram, which is the achiever, right? right? It's the achiever. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. And so the fact that she was, like, that was her second doesn't really shock me, but Cassie's pretty Well, that was my too. last one. What? So hungry was my middle. That's one. what I'm saying. That yeah. makes sense to me. Yeah, so 
so all that to say, if you watch, so I watched his TED talk, which was a great like summary yeah, of basically yeah. what he's what he believes and what he talks about. Mm-hmm. But if you're, he said, if you don't have high levels in all those three, you're not the ideal team player. Mm. And I think in our society, we tend to be like, yeah, so smart is your skill, so just hone in on that, yeah. and who cares about the other stuff? Yeah, like, yeah. you're smart, and that's fine. Yeah, yeah. But he's saying, no, like, you need to be the best you can be, in smart, hungry, humble. If you're going to be the best team player. Correct. And he gave little nicknames if you only have, like, a combo of two. And so smart and hungry make for the skillful politician interesting basically he said that was like the, the most toxic person to have <laughs> in your team pray for me everyone which is tough but basically i think the skillful politician is the person who as much as they can read the room mm-hmm. and they're super hungry they want to be successful they want to yeah. get things done and they know how to like get you to do what they want yeah. they're not humble enough to let other people take the lead and yeah. to admit their mistakes so they're like basically horrible to work with i would disagree she's not horrible to work with but i don't want that to be me and i feel like the the ideal team player taking the quiz all that stuff made me realize that i need to step it up and try to be more humble hungry and smart so that i can be the ideal team Mm -hmm. player so in talking about a specific situation in my life a Mm -hmm. specific scenario Mm -hmm. let's hear it Leah was also a part of this conversation, and so she can give comment to it, mm-hmm. but basically our friend group of five was trying to plan a road trip to South Dakota five to visit girls. one of our friends. Five girls. Five different girls. My understanding of the road trip beforehand was that it was going to be with guys and girls. Because we have a great friend group. Our friend group's incredible. They're the best people. If you're listening to this right now, shout out to you guys. Yeah. We love you all. Really, and you should be listening to this, so... I was really advocating in my head for a guys and girls trip. Actually, in my head, that's what I understood it to be. And so I went to that conversation with that in mind. Mind you, there were other people in the room who that was not what they thought it was going to be. They were under the impression that it was an all-girls trip. Correct. And so I went in there. I was already having a bad day. Yeah, so we were all kind of in bad mood. So the fact that we even had that conversation that day was not a great idea. But yeah. hey, that happens in the work yeah. setting, yeah. right? So yeah. I feel like it's a good like, tie to like that could mm-hmm. happen in real life. Yeah. So we get in the room. I'm not at my best already. I'm just irritated. Don't want to be there. I feel like I made that pretty clear. Just like I literally said before the meeting started, I'm don't want to be here. <laughs> <laughs> I don't want to have this conversation. Because um, there was already just some tensions before that. So, um, I think that I was hungry because I wanted to have my vision of the Mm -hmm. trip be the thing that happened. So I, I wanted it to be a guy's girl's trip. I wanted my vision Mm -hmm. of how it was going to be to happen. Mm -hmm. Like I knew how the guys I had already talked to were feeling. I knew Mm -hmm. how you were feeling. Um, and I didn't know how other people were feeling, but I could sense that they didn't want that at all. Mm -hmm. And that irritated me. And I really wanted my vision to play out. And then I was told, like, your vision isn't realistic, and it's probably not going to happen. And I got the vibe from being able to read the room Mm -hmm. that they were like, I thought this was going to be a girl's trip, and no guys were going to come. And basically... There was your strength. strength. Right. So I could read it, and I was hungry for my point, so I kind of argued, and I was, like, pushing back, and I was like... She was not very humble in this setting. No, I wasn't. I was like, (laughs) this is what I want. This is what it's understood to be. Obviously, it feels like you guys don't want that. That's fine. But, like, we can do the girls' trip, but, like, 
basically, I'm not happy about it. Isn't mm-hmm. I think it's a vibe I gave off. Yeah, I didn't say it, was, that explicitly. it was a vibe. She, and I, yeah, it was a vibe she gave off. So it, obviously, I'm gonna go ahead and apologize to the people that were in the room. If you were listening to this podcast, you already know I feel bad for that conversation. It and we're going on the girls' trip. It wasn't my best uh, point, but I brought that up to show that, like. My strengths were very clear in that situation, mm-hmm. but the humility was just, like, vanished into thin air. Yeah. Like, I was not willing to step back and admit that maybe my idea was a, not a good idea, or maybe... Not feasible. like Not feasible, right. Or, like, I didn't read the room well, or maybe, like, I didn't have an understanding of what the, the trip was going to be like, or I didn't consider that the person that was going to be hosting us didn't have room for all those people. Yeah. That's not something I considered, but I wasn't willing to admit that and admit that I was wrong in Mm -hmm. thinking that and I think that came from you know previous circumstances not being in a good emotional state when I entered the room but when you're in a work setting you're still going to want to be able to be your best self yeah and to recognize I'm not doing well emotionally but like can I still be humble in this situation so and what does humility look like you know what I'm saying like like what is the line between humility and like not getting walked all over and I think that's a hard line too definitely yeah so that's my specific story about how I definitely didn't exemplify the ideal team player. In fact, I think I did play into the skillful politician identity a mm-hmm. little bit more than mm-hmm. I would have liked. But I also, I asked one of my friends, like, what should I talk about for this podcast? Like, a situation? And she's like, well, what about that conversation? And I was like, oh, good point. Like, the fact that my friends were able to acknowledge, yeah, you weren't your best self in that situation, mm-hmm. but... Like, there's grace for that. There's and grace for everyone. There's grace life for motto. everyone. There's That's grace Leah's for life motto. And I can grow and be better. And I think she recognized that, too. She's like, you've recognized your mistakes. You've already acknowledged them. Mm-hmm. And I feel like now I would enter that conversation really differently. Yeah. And, and I, I would do a lot of things would, differently. Yeah. yeah. So learning from that, that's great. Learning about myself um, and how I can kind of seek to be more humble. That's mm-hmm. going to be hard. What does yeah. humbleness look like? I don't fully know, but I think taking that quiz like those questions were good prompts of how do you put other people's opinions before your own mm-hmm. um so yeah i don't know i think the ideal team player is potentially my future i would say so Cass is a good team player but i need to work at it yeah. right now she's a coach remember she's a coach but right, right, right. I, if i was a coach i would probably put her on the field <laughs> i would probably put her on the field <laughs> so that's all we have for you unless you have anything else to add no Stay tuned, though, because we're going to have a part two of this where you're going to get to hear who I put on the field, and you're going to hear get to hear my self-evaluation of whether or not I'm a good team player. So stay tuned. It'll be some good stuff. I personally am very excited for the next episode. <laughs> Leah has not stopped talking about it. so <laughs> Which I don't stop talking about much. but <laughs> So stay tuned. Thanks for listening, and have a great rest of your week. Peace Bye. out. Deuces. <laughs>